0: Turn with me in your Bibles, please. Uh, it's good to see you all here, by the way. Hi, everybody. <laughs> it's just good to, good to be amongst you. Turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're actually going to begin this morning with verses 10 and 11. We are continuing in our series, A Passion to Communicate. What's the series called? Passion to Communicate, yeah. If you know Christ as your Savior, what I'm putting forward in this series is you're called to teach. I'm not talking about formal teaching. I'm talking about in a manner of dynamic influence. The particular message today is actually part two from last week. If you missed last week, that message is available online or at our website. But last week, we focused on the third law of of teaching and that is the law of activity and i, I kind of summarized that in this word i kind of made up called engagefulness the law of activity is engagefulness we are to be obedient doers of the word we're to be active in our faith listen for it in second peter chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 listen Therefore, my brothers, why don't you read it with me? Do more than listen. Why don't you stand to your feet and read it with me? You ready? Here we go. It's right there on your screen, or you're following along in your Bible. Therefore, my dear brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you what? Say it again. Say it again. You will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. If, if, in the deepest part of your soul, if you ever struggle with doubt, with doubting your salvation, Doubting whether you are a Christian or not. Doubting if your destiny is to be with God or apart from him in eternity, then listen up. Listen to the word of God. Because if you lack, if you lack confidence and assurance, then what do you have to teach? Doubt can teach nothing but doubt. Insecurity can teach insecurity. But it will never teach confident, bold truth. Now, when God says through the pen of Peter for us to be more eager... Do you see it there? Be all the more eager. The Greek word there is spoudé. Say that with me. Spoudé. Sounds like a pudding or something, doesn't it? But now it's a Greek word. Spoudé. Have you ever heard the phrase, has anybody ever used the phrase with you, Godspeed? Have you heard that? Godspeed. That's the idea that I wish you God speed. That phrase relates well to this word spudé. Okay? Say it again. Spudé. Because spudé means speed. Strong's definition is on your screen. Speed, for example, by implication, dispatch, eagerness, earnestness, business, earnest care, or earnest carefulness, diligence, forwardness, I love that, haste, spoudé. If I paraphrase it, it kind of means, I would say it means this, get after it. It means get it done, and you get it done with zeal and with energy. Do it. Immediately following Bonnie and my wedding back in 1984, I'll take you back, way back. I mean, immediately following our wedding, we had just been declared man and wife, and we sort of floated down the stairs at the front of the church there in Gingelville, Michigan, over by Pontiac. It was during the recessional, the beautiful music is playing, and, and the very first people that we engaged with as husband and wife were our parents and I it was on this side of the aisle it was over there not here but and I went to give my dad a hug and, and he was crying and, and I was crying and when we embraced he said into my ear he said Godspeed son He used that phrase with me not very many times, but a few times. Another time was when we left Ohio to move up here. Again, we embraced in tears, and he said, Godspeed, son. It means God's blessing, God's eagerness, God's zeal. And here, in 2 Peter 1, you and I are called to more spude, more zeal and eagerness, listen, to make our calling and election sure, certain, without doubt, confident. And that spude right there, if you live that way, that'll teach. It's very influential. Question, okay, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we be sure when we claim to know Jesus in a saving way? How are we sure, certain, without doubt? Man, I want to hear the answer to that. Don't you? (laughs) I don't know. Have you experienced doubt ever in your Christian life? I have. I've struggled with that at certain times. So I'm kind of. I'm. My ears are perking up here. Here's how you do it. You ready? Thanks, Mar. (laughs) You live it out. You live it out. You act, you act on your faith. We live out by faith. Listen to me now. We live out by faith in a manner that is consistent and proves and declares that we know Jesus and are indeed God's redeemed children. Listen, our actions prove Our faith to us, not to God. First John says he knows those who are his. It's you and I that struggle with doubt and uncertainty and insecurity sometimes and lack of assurance, not him. So our actions prove our faith to us. That's the whole point in James when he says, you show me your faith. And I'll show you my faith by what I do. You live it out. Listen, if you and I are bought out of the world, if we're redeemed, then why would we ever live like the world or according to the desires of the world? We have, listen, we have and we develop different desires than those that are described in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, which are comfort, desires for comfort, desires for covetousness, and desires for, for control. Comfort, everybody wants to feel good. Covetousness, everybody wants to get more. Control, everybody wants to impress other people. Those three desires are just universal in the human fallen nature. But we have and we develop different desires because those desires, comfort, covetousness, and control, are about us and our will. And our calling is sure and certain and evident. Listen, our calling is sure, certain, and evident when the power of the Holy Spirit is producing the life we are living that is consistent with the life in Christ we Profess to possess. And when we profess to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of that Spirit should be increasing to some measure. Amen. In other words, we should be eager with God's speed to do those things, doers, that mark us as lovers of Jesus Christ and declare to the world his power to transform. If you and I compromise and suck up to the world comfort, covetousness, and control, then you and I will struggle with doubt. And you should. And the sad part about that is your soul won't teach. Or at least it won't teach Christ. (sighs) We are continuing in our series, A Passion to Communicate. As I said, believers in Christ were called to teach. Jesus commanded his followers, that we make disciples and that we then teach them to obey. Sadly, there are many professing American Christians that teach just the opposite of obedience. We're called to teach. And in previous weeks to this, in this series, we've covered three principles of teaching and learning put forth by Howard Hendricks and practiced by Jesus. And we saw the first one was the law of the teacher. The law of the teacher, in one word, codified, was fullness. In other words, you teach out of the overflow of what's inside of you. And that is especially true spiritually. Then there was the law of education. The law of education, one word, was otherness. The law of education states an effective teacher knows the people that he wishes to affect or to teach. It's about the student's need, not the teacher's skill or knowledge. And then last week, we saw the law of activity. The word was engagefulness. Say engagefulness, will you? So I know you're awake. Engagefulness, the statement was that maximum learning is a result of, listen to it now, maximum involvement. We talked about that a lot last week. We are called to be doers of the word, involved with people, not just hearers of the word, not just studiers of the word, not just Readers of the word, we're called to be doers. And today, I felt compelled to to offer up a part two on the law of activity, engagefulness, and I want to tell you why. Why am I taking that third principle and spending another day on it? Here's why. Because last week, and I know many of you weren't here, we made a big deal of James chapter 1 and verse 24. In James 1 and 24, it says that we're to be doers of the word. James writes that if you're just a hearer and you're not a doer, then you're sort of like a guy who looks at his reflection in a mirror, and verse 24 says, and after looking at himself, he goes away, and immediately, what's the word? He forgets what he, look like, what he looks like and we liken that to a Christian who goes out into daily life and he forgets who he is. He forgets who he is in Christ. He, he loses consciousness and focus on his own identity. So he reacts to circumstances instead of acts out of the truth about who he is in Christ. He reacts instead of acts. He doesn't know who he is. Well, last week, during, throughout the week, Bonnie and I and our small group, actually, we have been reading 1 Peter. And Bonnie and I went on into 2 Peter reading. And in 2 Peter 1, verses 9 and 10, we already read part of that, but here's what it sounds like again. He says, Peter says, if anyone does not have them... We'll find out more about them. That means these qualities of faith. If you don't have them, then that person is nearsighted and blind and what? Has forgotten. There it is again. There it is in James. Now here it is in Second Peter. He's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his sins. He, he, he doesn't know who he is. And then verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager, we saw that already, to make your calling and election sure, for if you what? Do these things, you'll never fall. So there it is again. I saw these same themes of forgetting and then doing in Second Peter, as I did last week's message dealing partly with James chapter 1 and so I just kind of in my mind it's like I got to dig in there I want to I desperately want to dig in and explore this passage of uh, actually second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11 here's what I found can I share with you what I found 3 through 11 it's so cool so cool first of all if you're taking notes Or if I had provided an outline, which I did not. It's a big promise to believe. There is such a big promise to believe. That's your first point of four that I want to bring to you today on first Peter or Second Peter one, three through eleven. A big promise to believe. Here's what it sounds like. His what? Divine power. So who's who's Peter talking about here? Who's, who's his? God's. God's divine power has given us, read the next three words, everything. everything we need for life and godliness. Now, many and probably most of you are familiar with that passage. What I want to know is, do you believe it? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness? Because most Christians don't. And that's a problem, isn't it? When we don't believe what God has said. That's a problem. In honest moments, I've heard believers talk more about (laughs) that they're missing something instead of a vibrant faith in Christ that everything they need, they have in him. Listen, if you don't believe what God has told you, then you will never, circle the word never, experience it. (laughs) Right? That's not rocket science. See, God loves it, and he affirms it when you believe him doesn't he? When you believe his word. His spirit, on the other hand, is quenched and grieved when you don't. So that is a big promise to believe, that God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And let me just point out that it says us, it's plural, So you can claim that verse as an individual and say, I believe that, but unless you practice that in the context of your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're kind of missing the context. You're no Lone Ranger Christian, in other words. That is true of us when we act in us. Big promise to believe. Everything you need for life and godliness. That's how this passage begins. Now let's go all the way to the end, Do-do-do-do-do. 10 and 11. And let's see how it ends. Just this passage of Scripture, A big promise to believe, and it ends with a beautiful destiny to enjoy. We've read it. Let's read it again. For Second Peter 1, 10, B through 11. He says, "If you what again? do these things you'll never fall and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so here you got a big promise on the front end you got a beautiful destiny on the end now what we need to do is connect the dots because the dots is your life and mine right now right that's where we live What's between a big promise and a beautiful destiny? That's my daily life. You ready? How does the promise become active so that the destiny becomes reality? This is your third point. Here it comes. Verse 10b. We've, we've read it like four times, and that's okay. Okay. Because we're going to hear it again. If you what? Do these things, you'll never fall. Here's the third point. There's a bold verb to obey. There's a very bold verb to obey. Let's ask this question. Do what things? That's a pretty good question. If you do these things, okay, what things am I supposed to do? That makes sense to me. Do what? That's what I did this week. I read that passage. I was chewing on it. Bonnie and I were talking about it, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to look back from three on in the text, and I'm going to find the action verbs. I'm going to find the verbs that he says, here's what you're supposed to do. The commands. He said, if you do these things, right, okay, what things are those? What are the commands? What is it God has told us we're supposed to do? Listen, there are only two. In that whole passage, there's only two action verbs from 3 through 11 because most of the content is informational and descriptive. It's telling you truth. It's not telling you what to do. There's not many commands here. So, what are the two? What are we supposed to do? Well, go back to verse 5. Verse 5 says, for this very reason, Peter writes. Now, what's the reason? Well, it goes all the way back to three that big promise, that the big promise um, ends with you can participate in the divine nature. That's a pretty cool thing. And you can escape the corruption in the world. So for those reasons that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness in such a way that you can participate in him, certainly that's the Holy Spirit, that's the fruit of the Spirit, and you can escape the corruption in the world for this very reason. Here comes the verb. You ready? What's the next three words? You read them. Make every effort. That's action. That's a verb. Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make every effort to add to your faith. Okay? To add to what you believe. So the first verb. Make every effort. Okay? The second verb. We already saw it. Verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, give me the next five. Be all the more eager. That's a verb. Effort, eagerness. We're commanded to that, to make your calling and election sure. Make every effort, be more eager. Now, I'm going to blow your mind. You ready to have your mind blown? Here it comes. They're both the same verb. They are both the same Greek verb. You don't know it when you read it in the English translation, but they're both the same verb. They're the same command, and the command we already heard, it's spoudé, Godspeed diligent, eager, effort, spoudé. Here, here's in a sentence. We are commanded to eagerly put forth a whole lot of effort. You work hard in the Christian life. Believing Okay, don't miss this part. You work hard in the Christian life believing that God has given you everything you need for life and godliness to get it done. Listen very carefully. This is not works salvation. This is the works of salvation. Eagerness And effort. Anybody lack some of that in your Christian life? Eagerness and effort, because without the Holy Spirit, you know what, you wouldn't care a snit. Not a snit. You wouldn't care. I've witnessed to people, and they've said to me, I've heard them say it, I could give you names, and they'll say, well, you know, honestly, I don't think about it much. I just don't don't bother with it. I don't think about it. The God who created all things thinks of his creatures all the time. And here we are running around on this planet doing our own thing, not thinking a snit about him. See, that's the problem with us as human beings. So I say it again. This is not work salvation this is the works of salvation. What's the works of self? Eagerness and effort. That's what I'm talking about. Folks, listen, let's work at this. I'll be the first to tell you I need to work harder at my Christian life. I really do. Because I can be one real easily, it says, man, the Holy Spirit's supposed to be doing this stuff in me. How come he ain't doing it? Let's work at this. Let's work at loving Jesus. Let's intentionally work at loving each other. Let's work at serving Let's work at, listen to me now, at practicing the discipline of restraint because a lot of times the reason I can't work at Jesus so much is because I'm working so hard at everything else that I just don't have any space or energy left to give for his kingdom. Let's work at it because we know God's at work in it. That's the promise of Scripture. What do you think Philippians 2, 12, and 13 teaches us? Paul, this time, writes, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, he's writing to these suffering Philippian believers, he goes, you guys have always been obedient, and then he says, continue to what? Okay, what if you took out, work out your salvation, and put the word obedience in there? Would that work? Therefore, as you've always obeyed, continue to obey. So in other words, what's the working out of your salvation? Obedience. With fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who works in you. To will and to act. God works in you to will. That's to want to. That's eagerness. That's effort to will and to act according to his good purpose. Our work and effort at living the Christian life is God's speed. Am I missing this? I, I mean, in looking at the passage, I, this is a lot different than what I've preached maybe before. <laughs> it just, it just kind of is. But I I love it. Your work and effort at living the Christian life is God's speed because he is at work in you to accomplish his purpose. Now, we're wrapping up here. So, okay, so far we've seen this big promise to believe, right? That God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's a big promise to believe. And then we saw a beautiful destiny to enjoy in 2 Peter 1 10b through 11, that if you do these things, you'll never fall and you'll receive this rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then between that bold promise to believe in this beautiful destiny to enjoy, we saw a bold verb to obey. What is it we're supposed to do as doers of the word? Verse 5, we are to spuday, speed, to make every effort to add to our faith. More on that next week. Add to your faith. Amazing. And then we're to, in verse, I think it was 11, be all the more eager to make our calling and election sure. Those were the two verbs in English. Both are spoudé. We're to offer an eager effort. Let me help you just a little bit more with this spoudé thing. The Sermon Index Commentary says this, and I quote, Spoudé is primarily an attitude which leads to an action. Spudé means to do something with intense effort and motivation. Motivation. We haven't talked about that yet. With quick movement and is in opposition opposition to the attitude of slothfulness. The individual who is spudé is eager to do something and is ready to expend the necessary energy and effort. Spudé means to work hard, to do one's best, to endeavor. Thus, Paul exhorts the Roman saints, this is Romans 12.8, those in leadership, he said, he who leads do so with diligence. That's the word spudé translated there, diligence. The commentary goes on. There are two ways, speaking of leadership now, which a leader can lead with heart and mind or in the most perfunctory way. Perfunctory means, eh, whatever. The leader may dully and drably lead or he may do it with joy and a thrill of zeal. You guys remember I've told you this many times what I pray for all the time. I pray for boldness and I pray for confidence all the time. I think I didn't know it but I was praying for (laughs) Spudé. And the commentary ends with we need leaders with Spudé in their hearts. And I can say it right now that we need believers with Spuday in their hearts in America and around the world. Because, listen to me, Spuday will teach. It'll teach. This leads us to the great why. We just read that spudé means to do something with intense effort and motivation. What is the motivating source of the energy and effort and eagerness that I am to exert? What motivates your obedience to be spudé? Energetic, eager, lots of effort. What motivates that? Well, that is where we're going to leave it for this week and pick it up for next. And I I really believe that you're going to be encouraged and challenged. I I know it, it, that if the Holy Spirit indeed tabernacles in you, that, that it'll speak to you next week. So for this week, Message entitled Doer, Do What? The law of activity, engagefulness, do what? What are we supposed to do? Is one word. Spude. And I would ask you, are you living in obedience to that command? Eager in effort. Godspeed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for, you know, just about the time I think in your Bible, in your word, that I've I've kind of been there, done that, I've seen a lot of it. And and about that time I pray, Lord, show me more, show me more of you parts I don't know, parts I don't unique parts that maybe even nobody's ever seen before. And uh, you've always been faithful to do that. I know this word, this concept. I've heard my dad say it to me three or four times. Godspeed, son. And here's this word that dynamically has this this deep soul content of eagerness, effort, energy toward toward you and your kingdom to pursue you to know you, Father, I pray that you'd stir it up in us and 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 help us to stir up ourselves that we wouldn't just live through the days, but that we would. Exert the energy and effort to pursue you and to pursue uh, the boldness and confidence of your spirit, the fruit of your spirit, because we're called to declare your praises, to be salt and light, to, to be your ambassadors, your ministers of reconciliation. And I think every one of us can confess that, that we've been sort of lax in this command, especially in this country that, where the freedom we've enjoyed gives us so many options to do with our time, so much time-saving options that we have time to burn, and so we do. We burn it. Use very little of it. to work hard for Jesus. Lord, I, I don't want to condemn this church. You have, you know, a lot of churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and that's not the case here. Your people work. They serve. But I pray we would find, even in these, these pages here in Second, second Peter, um, the, the freedom and joy and energy That is the Godhead, the dance of the Godhead, so that we can enter more deeply into that dance with you and display a joy and a zeal for life and living, that we can love you more fully, we can love people more freely, and we can love life with the energy with which you created it. Both around us and within us by your saving work. I think every one of us needs this to be obedient to this command. Do or do what? Spudé. And we're going to sing a song as we close that you're worthy of this. Help us to to sing it as a prayer, to sing it as worship, and then to go out from here and live it. In Jesus' name, amen.